Welcome. You're listening to Sanseet, where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine to become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Erin O'Dowd. Hello and welcome. On today's show, our guest is a medium. She is a metaphysical healer, and her name is Lenore Starr. How are you doing, Lenore? How are you doing today? Fine, thank you, and I'm so excited to be on your show, and it's Linnea Starr. It looks like the other pronunciation, but that's perfectly fine. So I'm really thrilled to share some of my background information with your listening audience to educate, entertain, and enlighten. So this is awesome. Thank you. Tell us about how you became aware of your uh, your spiritual gifts. Yes, thank you. That's a great question. I was a little girl, about four and a half, and I used to see things, and I would say things to my family, and they immediately recognized what it is because my great-grandmother, my grandmother's mother, had been a gifted woman, and so early on, she and my mother and father recognized that I seemed to have the same gift, and they nurtured it and developed it. And so it was really an inherent kind of blessing. And that often happens with mediumship. You have a relative that might be connected to that, and it's passed down through the family. What relations in your family had the same gifts as yourself? My great-grandmother, my mother, and my grandmother were intuitive. I seem to have gotten a whole connection from my great-grandmother. And I was born with something called a call. C-A-U-L. It's a white membrane that's born with children sometimes. It's not that common, but the legend has it. If you're born with a call, that white membrane, supposedly the universe is telling you the baby has second sight. And with me, it seemed to be, you know, um, absolutely true. Was it something that was genetically in your family? Yeah, I'm going to say that um, in history, especially in spiritual history, a lot of people that have a spiritual gift were born with this membrane called a call. And years ago, when it was the um, 1800s, naval people, people with boats, used to want to take the call. It would harden into a, a consistency that you could, you know, put it somewhere. They would put it in the ship because it was supposed to prevent your ship from being sunk. So it has a couple of superstitious beliefs, and in my case, I think, you know, when I was born with that, the family kind of knew that maybe I was going to inherit the stronger part of my great-grandmother's gift, and it proved to be true, so I did. How did your parents deal with your gifts? Yeah, they were very receptive to it, and early on, my mother and father and my grandmother wanted me to know that it was a gift from God. They felt very strongly that anyone such as yourself with your energy work, light worker, mediumship. They seemed to feel that there were certain people that were gifted with a mystical manifestation from the spirit world. So I was given a very strong foundation of Christianity. My family um, is Catholic, and I am too, and I do believe that my gift comes from Christ. And it is said in the Bible that if you can tell somebody something, and it is indeed true, or it comes true, then you're channeling the gifts from the divine realm because a human cannot do this alone. It has to have some kind of mystical connection to God and his son. So um, they revered it, 
and they always, and I felt the same way, they always told me to use this blessing in the highest possible caliber to benefit people and the good of mankind. And I've always, always, always um, held that very close to me. I treasure it. You know, it separates me from other people. I have seen how it has helped people when I bring somebody back. And it's also helped people when I've been able to give them the future, and it does come true. So it is a blessing to me, but I think more so to the blessings of the people that I share it with. What was it like to grow up as a human being with these spiritual gifts? What a great question. Thank you. Um, It did separate me from others because not many people understood it. They were a little put off by it. But as I grew into adulthood and I was able to use it you know, the way professionally I wanted to use it, it made me a lot more comfortable because I felt that I could handle it as an adult. As a child, it was a little overwhelming, but my family was always there to back me up and to, you know, tell me, this is okay, don't worry about it, this is a gift, and when the time is right, then you'll be able to share it with the universe. And I think they were very instrumental in me accepting it and being comfortable with it as I am today. During at that period, what were you experiencing? Well, you know, I would see things around playmates, and I came home one day from junior high school, and I told my father that two of the teachers at the school would leave the school, and they would marry each other. And my father was like, did you tell anybody about this? And I said, yeah, I told the bus, all the kids on the bus. He said, you know, maybe some things you should keep close to your heart. And I didn't know what he meant, but when I went back to school, we had an assembly hall, and the principal told us those two teachers had resigned from the school system, and they later went on to get divorces, and they married each other. And, you know, the other children were looking at me like, how did you know this? And then I understood what my father said. I think he wanted me to wait a little bit until I was an adult, and then I could go full force and do what I needed to do with this blessing. But as a child, you know, you don't know that because you're only 11 or 12 years old, but a lot of things I would see around the neighborhood, around friends, around family, a lot of them come true. So early on, I had a reputation of validity because people would see what happened and then they would say, oh, she told us that. So it was like a precursor to growing up and doing it professionally. What stage did you decide to go professionally? I decided to go professionally when my mother became very sick. My mother went into a coma and I was devastated as anybody would be with someone we loved and and admire. And so I made a prayer petition to a particular saint. In this case, it was St. Catherine Drexel. She's an American saint out of Pennsylvania. And I had just heard about her. She had just been canonized to be a saint. And I petitioned her, and I was in the chapel at the hospital, and I said to St. Catherine, I said, I don't know you, but I've just heard about you, um, and if you could help my mother recover, I will do the mediumship in the manner that I want to do it, and I will devote the rest of my life to doing what I'm supposed to do with this gift if you will just return my mother to me. Um, That night, my mother received the last rites, and I called out to her, and I said, don't leave us, open your eyes, move your hands, and she did. 
And the doctor was very kind. He said, you know, I think that was a reflex. And I said, you know, you're a scientist, and I, I respect that, sir. But I'm a spiritualist, and I know she heard me. And I left the hospital probably at 6 a.m. in the morning. I was exhausted. And he told me he would call me if there was any change. And I got back to my own home, and the phone rang at quarter of seven, and it was the doctor. And I said, did, did something happen? He said, she woke up. He said, we have a miracle. Your mother's calling for you. Well, I flew back to the hospital. It's 10 minutes away. I ran into her room. All the tubes were out. She was sitting up in bed. And I looked at her and I said, hi. And she said, you called me back. And I said, I did. And she said, I just reached dad. I said, okay. She said, and he heard you too. And he said, go back. She needs you more than I do. I had my mother for five more years. I had my blessed mother for five more years, and that was a miracle that changed my life. Wow. And after that, did that kind of open your, your eyes to what you could do? Yes. I felt that this this epiphany, I would call it an epiphany, I believe the saint heard me. And a prayer petition is open to anybody. And you make a promise to the saint that you might petition. And I'm also very close in um, a connection to St. Catherine Labore of the Miraculous Medal. But at the very beginning... I petitioned St. Catherine Drexel, and I kept my promise to her. You make a saint, um, a promise to the saint, you might give a donation to the charity that the saint is involved in, and tell the world of your epiphany. I did both. You know, I made a donation to uh, Catherine Drexel's uh, group in um, Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, and I tell the world about her whenever I can, and I do radio, and I often mention saints that I have a special connection to, as well as other saints that were holy people, and they were canonized because of miracles attributed to them. But it was the most beautiful gift to me to have my mother come back from death and to have her with me for five more years. It's something that I can never, never forget, and I will be eternally grateful to the saint that heard me. She inclined her ear, and I got my mother back, and I'm keeping my promise to Catherine Drexel. She kept her promise to me. Out of all the saints, why did you pick her? Well, the thing is that the week my mother got sick, it was in uh, the fall of 2001, I believe, and Catherine Drexel had been canonized in uh, Pennsylvania, and I happened to pick up a newspaper, and I read about it, and then when my mother didn't get better, and then when my mother went into, you know, this irreversible coma on life support, I recalled the name of Catherine Drexel, and it just came out, and I said, Catherine Drexel, I want to know you. I don't know who you are, but you just got canonized for miracles because that is the process to canonize the saint. I said, please hear me. My mother is um, very, very special to many people, especially to me. And if you could just give her back to me. And she woke up and I had her for five more years and the doctors were mystified. And I looked at the doctor that had said to me, I think it's a reflex. And I said, you know, there are some things that we cannot explain. I said, and um, I got my prayers answered, and he hugged me. Can you tell us a story about um, this particular saint? Yes, Catherine Lavare is incredible. She is one of the incorruptibles. I'm not sure if you are familiar with no. that, but there is a section of sainthood where the saints do not decay. They canonize them, and they exhume the body to take a relic. And when they exhumed Catherine Lavare, 57 years after her death in 1876, she had no decay at all, and I went to visit her shrine a few years ago in Paris, and you can see her. She's in a glass viewing case at the foot of the altar, and her 
famous connection is to the Blessed Mother. The Blessed Mother appeared to her, I believe it was in um, 1830, July 18th, and she gave her the miraculous medal and she said, if you can have this made in my image, it's the medallion of healing. And I have a family that I'm working with. I've been working with them for several years in a psychic mediumship ability. But three years ago, one of the gentlemen in the family became ill with a brain tumor. And so we petitioned St. Catherine Labore for a healing. And for the first year, he was doing great. And sadly, it came back about 16 months after the initial operation. And we again petitioned St. Catherine Labore, and we took him to a healing mass in my area with a charismatic priest. And he did the laying of the hands. And when this client went back to Mass General Hospital the next week, the doctor said to him, I can't explain this. The tumor has shrunk. It's diminished. And he's still here. And at Christmas time, this man was given, you know, another dismal prognosis. And we again petitioned Catherine Labore. And the day that I started my novena for Catherine Labore's um, cause to help my client, I got a phone call right about the same time I started to say the prayers. And, you know, I answered the phone and the woman said to me, I want to thank you for your donation in July to the Catherine Labore School of Nursing, which I had done, but this was December. And I said to her, why are you calling me today? She goes, I don't know. I said, I just started a novena for a very wonderful gentleman who has a brain tumor. He's still with us. He went out to celebrate his 51st birthday last Saturday. And I'm meeting him Friday night. We're gonna do a little um, YouTube documentary on the power of a prayer petition. Now you never stop your medicals. You always, always continue your medicals. But his doctors are stunned that he's still here over three years after the diagnosis of a glioblastoma. So Catherine Labore also heard me in regards to somebody else's issue. And I'm very thrilled about that because this gentleman is thriving. Did Catherine receive a medal and a prayer from the Blessed Mother? She did. What happened was she was a young novice about 24 at the convent, the Sisters of Charity, I believe, in Paris. And there was a knock on the door in the middle of the night. And she opened the door and there was a little angel, a tiny little angel. It looked like a little boy. And the angel said, come with me. And she walked down the hallway to the sanctuary. And she walked into the sanctuary and the Blessed Mother was suspended right above the altar. And, you know, the young woman was kind of surprised at this. And the Blessed Mother said, don't be afraid. I have a mission for you if you should accept it. And she gave her the medallion and she said, if you will have this made in my honor, it will be the medallion of healing. And it also is often given out when a nurse is pinned, in, at least in this country, when they're pinned, they often receive a very tiny replication of the miraculous medal with the Blessed Mother on the front and the cross with the M in the back. And there's a prayer that goes with it. And what the Blessed Mother said to her was, if anyone should keep this medallion at their house or, you know, on their person, she said, now in the hour of our death, amen, there will be a peaceful passage for those people who have a connection to it. So it has a very beautiful history. And the woman that it was given to was completely intact after her death 57 years later. I believe she died in 1876. That was it. And when they exhumed her almost 60 years later she was completely intact and, and was not embalmed they did not have embalming techniques back then fascinating you you tell a story about her dad in the beanie tell us about that 
Yes, my dad, my father. Uh, my father was a lot of fun, and he was a deeply spiritual man. He lived his life as a spiritual son of Christ. And I was doing an event in New York City um, a few years ago, and I said to my father, I said, you know, I'm going to be in New York, and my dad was born in New York. I said, so could you send me a sign? And that's called an A-port, A-P-P-O-R-T. It means you get something from the spiritual realm, and it's sent to you, and you'll you'll make the connection. So I often wear little beanies, you know, velvet ones, sparkly ones, and I didn't have a black beanie, so I went online, and I found a little beanie that's a vintage one from the 40s, and I said to the uh, company, can I have it before Saturday? And they said, we'll mail it out tomorrow. So I got it FedEx to me, you know, a couple of days later, and I took it out, and I tried it on, and it was perfect, and then I took it off, and I looked into the label, and it's Harold's Hats, H-A-R-O-L-D-S. That was my father's name. My dad's name was Harold. So I knew my father heard me. I knew he sent me that sign from him. And I have to say, when I went to New York, I wore it, and I had an awesome event, and I knew that my father was watching over me with light and love. When you see signs like that, how do you approach them? Well, sometimes, you know, they come unasked for, and I did a fundraiser in the fall, and it was close to Christmas, and I wanted to use the song, All I Want for Christmas is You, but that's my mother's song with me, and I have a hard time hearing it because it brings back, you know, a lot of sentiment, and I don't want to cry in front of anybody. I'm very private about that. So I had that song, and I had one of Whitney Houston's songs, and I was on my way to the function, and I said to my mother, I really want to use the Christmas one. I really want to use the Christmas one. I said, send me a sign that I should use the Christmas one. And I came out of the convenience store because I stopped to get some throat lozenges. And I got in my car. And the car in front of me had a license plate, Ellie, E-L-L-I-E. That was my mother's name. My mother's name was Eleanor, and they called her Ellie. I went to the fundraiser. I gave them the disc with Mariah Carey. They played that song, and I went through the room, and everybody love the event and I was just thrilled that my mother sent me a sign to tell me you go girl use that song go right ahead you're gonna do it and I did it as a, a medium are these the signs you look out for or do you look for other signs well, there are other signs too sometimes you will get an animal that appears to you frequently and that's called a totem t-o-t-e-m and a totem can be you know a bird it can be a symbol of a bird it can be another animal it can be a cat, it can be a dog, and the thing is, oftentimes people see cardinal birds quite frequently, and the cardinal is a spiritual messenger, and oftentimes, you know, a cardinal will show up in your backyard, it will sit on the fence, and if you consistently see the same animal, the same symbol all the time, that's your loved one from the other side trying to get your attention to say, here I am, I sent you a little sign from me. I did a family event a few months ago, and there's a young boy that lost his grandfather, and he's devastated. He's only nine years old. And we were sitting in the kitchen, and I saw this tree outside. It was a tiny sapling. And I said to this boy, why is your grandfather pointing to that tree? He said, we planted it. Papa and I planted it. And I said, okay, look for the cardinal. There's going to be a cardinal that's going to come. Well, the next morning, near that tree, they saw a little cardinal and they put some food out for it. It comes by every day now in the, in the good weather and it sits on the back porch and it eats out of a dish. 
And the little boy, Nicholas, is totally convinced, as I am. He said, Papa sends me that to let me know he's still very close to me. So I've made a nine-year-old very happy. And I think, you know, children are very open. They don't have a filter. They'll really run with stuff like this. And there are some adults that are open to it, too. But I do advise people when you do see the same symbol or the same number and seems to pop up a lot in your vibration, that's your loved one trying to get your attention to say, here I am, look. Is it to observe it or to notice it? How do you apply that? Well, I often tell people to use visualization. You know, when we have a loved one on the other side, we're missing the physical presence, of course we are. And the thing is, you can ask them to send you a sign. You can ask a relative, you know, a friend, a sibling. You can ask somebody, you know, thinking of you, I'm missing you, send me something from you. And there's a beautiful poem, you might have heard of it. It says, when feathers appear, angels are near. And a lot of people find white feathers, gray feathers, in places you wouldn't expect it to be. And that is an angel feather put there by your loved one to catch your attention, to say, here I am. And I often advise people to keep the feathers, keep them in a jar or in a box. And as you accumulate them, you'll find them in strange places where you shouldn't find a feather. Then you know that it's your angel trying to reach out from the other side to tap you on the shoulder and to say, I may not physically be with you, but spiritually, my soul spirit is still trying to connect with you on a consistent basis. The metaphysical work you do, um, is there like a label or do you do kind of everything? Well, I do the mediumship. You know, I'm able to see the past, the present, and the future. I get a lot of evidentiary. I get names and dates and prophecies. And I do something with a crystal. I hold a crystal ball, and I'll have the client hold the crystal. And the client takes a picture on their cell phone of the crystal that we're working with. And oftentimes, you'll get images. We call it um, mystical crystals. We've gotten some faces that appeared on the client's phone, and I prefer to have it on the client's phone. I don't want anyone to think I have something in my phone that makes an app appear. I, I really don't want to have that thought. So everyone uses their own phone when we do that. And I do spirit pictures. I will look at a spirit photo, you know, a picture in your cell phone, and I see images, and that's called Linnea's Grave Secrets. And, you know, there's many, many venues with spirit pictures. They've been in existence for many, many years, but it seems when I'm in your energy level, when I'm with you, I look at your cell phone picture, and I can see an image that you didn't see. And if you screenshot it, most of the time it will stay for you. And people have been astounded with that. I have had skeptics say to me, that's an angel in the picture. And I'm like, I know. And they're like, how did it get there? And I'm like, your loved one put it there. And I'm finding the old adage, seeing is believing. That seems to help with the spiritual work that I do. You know, faith is sight unseen. You can't see it, but you know it's there. And you need to have a foundation of faith because, you know, life is so beautiful. It is. It's such a gift. But there are times in our lives when we need to have that anchor to steady us and to sustain us and to help us get through some of the, the tough parts in our lives. How are you able to identify the, the image with the angel? Well, I did an event, and this is recent, I did an event, an interactive event with, I do, you know, up to 200 people. I've done big groups. And this was a little bit smaller, and a woman had lost her daughter. And, you know, there were no words to convey. And the woman was really wanting a connection, and I asked somebody, I 
said, could you just take a picture of this lady? And we were in a conference hall, and another guest took a picture, and I said, could we look at it? And I opened up the picture, and I held it up, and everybody saw the angel behind the woman. It was a little tiny gold angel with wings, and I said to the woman, do you see that? She said, it's an angel. I said, it's your daughter. I said, because I think you needed something tangible tonight from your young daughter, who was only like, I think, 16 or 17. I said, so I think she needed to convey to you that even though this is a loss that has no words, there are no words, she needed to let you know that her energy, her soul spirit is still connected. Now, I said to the woman, you might want to screenshot it because it doesn't always last. Well, she closed the phone, and at the end of the night, I said to her, could you open the picture again? The angel was gone. It wasn't there. The whole room saw it. They said, where did it go? I said, the energy disappeared. And I think that was even more valid because it was there when we took the picture early in the evening, like about 7 p.m. When we were done at 10 p.m., the angel was gone. And I think that the mother uh, gave that food for thought. I think she had to say to herself, it showed up when we took it. But when we were leaving, it was gone. And I think that maybe that was helpful to her in her grief. And there is no timeline on grief, of course not. But a young girl like that, there are no words. And I hope that that angel gave the mother the comfort that I think she needed at that time in her life. While the photo has been taken, are there uh, communications from the angels to you to um, guide the person through? Yes, while I'm talking to a group. You know, I'll be directed to the individual person. And sometimes in an interactive group, the information crosses over, and it might be the person behind them or beside them. But with me, that doesn't seem to happen. It seems that I'm guided directly to the person in the audience. And it's hard to the spirit pictures when there's many, many people. You just can't do it. This group was, I think, 40 people. And I could take the time to say to the lady, you know, your daughter, is telling me, you know, that she's still very much with you. And that's when I was advised by the daughter in spirit to have the picture taken and the, and the mother could see for herself. But I hear it first. It's clear audience. You hear it. Usually on my left side, I hear it on the left side of me. And then sometimes I see them clairvoyance. Sometimes I can see the individual talking to me. So I would say maybe 90% of the time I hear it. And then 10% of the time I see them. Um, And they're nebulous. They're kind of spiritually, you can see through them. But as I'm speaking to the audience, the vision gets clearer to me. So um, clear audience and clairvoyance seem to accompany me when I do any of my work, private or public. Why do you hear on the left side instead of both sides? You know, I don't know. Um, I do hear on both sides, but it seems for some reason like they're sitting on my shoulder. It feels like there's a little presence on my shoulder because I feel something there, like a touch or a connection, and it seems to be louder on the left side. I don't know why it's always been that way. I hear, you know, with both ears, naturally, but it just seems that when I'm really honing in on a spirit that wants to make a connection to a loved one or to somebody that's in my audience, that side seems to be more conducive. I seem to get a constant... um, flow of information it's very very visceral and very strong and when you see the angel what does it look like well i'm gonna say that they're usually very gold and they're very shimmery and they have like a um sparkly kind of aura and i often tell people you know late at night when you are home alone or home with family you can turn all the lights off and you will see these sparkles that kind of go through the room 
they're like in one spot and it looks like sequins, those little sparkly beads, that's the spirit's energy. The energy is around you and it's trying to manifest itself. And if you do shut the lights off late at night, you can experience this. I have had clients that have done that. So I'm going to say when I see anything, you know, before it becomes um, apparent in the cell phone or in the crystal, it's always got a very bright gold aura around it and a little bit of a um, sparkle to it. So I'm going to say I think that's to get my attention. And they do it quite frequently. When you hear the word mediumship, what is your own opinion of the words? Yeah, that's another great observation. I would say that the medium word, the mediumship um, title, would mean that we're in the middle. Yeah, there are three worlds, the earth world, glory, heaven, and then the metaphysical realm. So I'm going to say that a medium is the conduit in between heaven and the earthbound people. And we're able to use energy, the soul's energy, our energy, it's mysticism. And for some reason, we've been blessed with the ability to transcend the earthly realm. And you can grab onto a soul spirit who wants to make the connection, and you can give validity. And my message always is, it's always been this, that the soul is truly eternal. And as you believe, as you go through life, hold on to your own foundation of faith, whatever you were given, because I feel that the stronger we are in our faith, the better our lives will be. I think it's a better transition for people who have some kind of foundation to live their lives to the fullest extent of the gift of life. God gives us that gift, and what we do with it is our gift back to Him. Those three fields you mentioned, do you think it's the body, mind, and soul? I do. I think body, we have our earth bodies, and, you know, we're a thinking person, concentration. And I think that when the, the body is gone and we don't, are not in it anymore, I think our soul, which is energy, soul, spirit, I think that which was us moves on like a cocoon. The butterfly flies from the cocoon and it goes back to God. And there are some spirits, you know, my parents are included in this realm. There are some spirits that when they do go to heaven, they want to stay with their loved ones like a guardian angel. And in most religions, you are given a guardian angel at the moment of your birth. And that's in Hinduism, Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism. And the angel walks with you throughout your life. And then as we grow up and become adult people, and sometimes a little younger, childhood, loved ones go to glory, and some of them would like to stay behind and be another guardian angel for you. And I'm all for that. I feel my mother, my grandmothers, and my father around me on a consistent basis. And that gives me a great comfort level. Because I know that even though they're on the other side, I can't see them physically. I can feel them spiritually, and they're still a very big part of my life. How can someone identify their guardian angel? Well, you might ask your guardian angel to come to you in a dream. You can say that. You can say, you know, whoever it is that's watching over me, please come to me and identify yourself. You can meditate. Sometimes when you get into a very, very deep level of meditation, you will see an image through your third eye, and you will sit there and you'll see a grandmother. Maybe you'll see a grandfather, a mother, a father, and that's the spirit world's way of saying not only do you have your guardian angel from God, but you have us as your spirit guides to help you walk through life. Recently, I was on a big highway where I live in Massachusetts. It's a huge highway. And unfortunately, there was a big um, load of lumber 
in the middle of the road and I couldn't get around it because there were two trucks on either side of me. I didn't know what to do and I could only go straight and I plowed into it and my tire on the right side of the car blew up and the car was out of control and I was petrified. I heard my father say, put the car in low, put the car in low. And what he said was, zip up this hill. There was a hill on the side of grass. So I managed to get into the breakdown lane. The car was very difficult to hold on to. I got up the hill and there was an older man getting out of a pickup truck. And he said to me, young lady, he said, you had a guardian angel with you. He said, you had two 18-wheelers on either side of you. He said, I thought you were going to crash into one of them. I knew it was my dad. He taught me how to drive. I knew that. That was my father. So they're there. All you have to do is ask them to identify themselves, come to you in meditation, come to you in a dream. And the other thing I often mention to people is there's a wonderful way to get spiritual messages. If you get one of those voice-activated tape recorders, you know, you put it somewhere in the house at night, leave it there, and sometimes when you get up in the morning, there'll be a red light that's going on because it was activated by something. There have been many people who have received electronic voice messages, sounds, sometimes whispers, and you have to do it on a consistent basis. It's called electronic voice phenomenon. But I often advise clients to do that, leave the device somewhere where it doesn't pick up anything, you know, at night, put it in a uh, quiet spot, and you'll be surprised at some of the electronic voice phenomenon that you receive. It's exciting. It's an exciting venue. Some of my clients have done it, and they have gotten things they could understand on the tape. Where does the metaphysical fit into the, the body, the mind, and the soul? Well, I think the metaphysical is a, a vast realm of Reiki, energy, past life regression, chakras. It's a multitudinous area, like a kaleidoscope. I know there are some people that are gifted in one aspect of it. Some people are gifted in multiple aspects of it. I feel it's a, a very wonderful term that just encompasses so many things that nobody can explain. So if you're part of the metaphysical realm, you're a little bit of a dreamer, and you're also very spiritual, and you're putting it all together to make some kind of sense out of your particular gift. And you know, Reiki energy works with people. They do hospice work. They work with sick animals. And you see the energy actually helping the person get better. The meditation, I think, is a big stress buster for people. It can help people lower their anxiety. And um, yoga does the same thing. Energy work is very rewarding because what you're helping to do, your hands are conveying a very strong energy field to the client and you're helping their energy recharge again. It's almost like the car battery. So there's so many things in the metaphysical realm. I'm more of the mediumship and the um, messages, the spiritual messages, but I'm very fascinated with the other aspects of it because it's a whole cadre of subjects that can help humankind. And that's what we're here for, hands across the water. We're supposed to help each other. We are our brother's keepers. No matter what culture we're from, no matter what faith we're from, we're all God's children. If we all work together, what a different world we would have, don't you think? Yeah, it would be, it's, it would be a better world indeed. Do you think religion kind of hinders uh, this movement of metaphysical energy? Well, I have someone who works with me in some of my big events. He's a DJ, and he is a Carmelite uh, deacon, which is a section of the church where they're not a priest, but they officiate at a lot of beautiful, sanctified events, and they're 
very, very spiritually connected to Christ. And he and I often have, you know, these discussions about what I do and how I do it. And where I'm coming from is that I do consider it a blessing of mysticism. He's kind of on the fence on it, but he sees my deep connection to Christ and my deep faith of my original foundation of faith. And I'm going to say someday, I think it's just a little, I hope it's a little bit easier to connect the two because they are both very, very similar. You're getting a gift from God, you're using your gift that you got, and you're trying to bring healing and help to the earth plane. And this deacon friend of mine had me meet with his superior, who was a ordained priest, very nice man. You know, I met him and we were talking about what I do and he said, you know, you might be a mystic, which is what I mentioned earlier. Some people had chosen to have the gift of second sight. And he asked me if I could answer a question for him. And I said, absolutely, Father, go right ahead. He said, can you tell me anything about me that you couldn't know? Because I knew he was a little hesitant about where this was going. And I said, yeah, Father, I can. Give me a minute. And we were in the um, chapel of uh, the Carmelite Chapel in uh, Boston, St. Teresa, the little flower. So I looked at him, and, you know, I don't know him, and he's a lot older than I am. And I said, gee, Father, I said, they're showing me Padre Pio of Italy. And I thought he was going to pass out. And he grabbed my arm, and he said, you couldn't know this. And I said, tell me. Please tell me. He said, I was born in the town where Padre Pio lived. He said, I knew him. Padre Pio died 1968. He said, I was a villager in the same village as Padre Pio. I said, Father, there's so many saints, and you know that, and they're all wonderful. I said, for me to pick a saint that you were born in his village and you knew him, I said, that's got to tell you something. And he was beaming. He was beaming, and I said, you know, I'm so happy that I could give you something that would give you a take, a religious take on what gift I have is. And I'm probably one of the only ones, to be truthful, that mentions where it comes from. And I feel that I must. It comes from God. And a lot of mediums, a lot of psychics don't mention that, but I feel that I must because it is in the Bible. It's written in Scripture that if someone can tell you something and it comes true or the information is correct, then you're channeling the divine realm and it is a gift from God. Why must you tell the person this? Well, I have to tell the person this because that's how I believe I came to get the gift. I think it was given to me for a reason. I don't know what the reason is, and I didn't really start to use it professionally until my mother's illness, God bless her. And the thing is that what I'm trying to show, only that I'm trying to show, is that whatever you believe in, whatever it may be, believe in something because we do not end at the grave. The grave is the beginning. Your soul has an eternal life, and you will find everybody on the other side. You will find them again in glory. And when I can give you a name, or if I can give you a date, or if I can give you any detail about a loved one, and you know that it's true, then you have to know someone's talking to me for me to tell you that. And I think that's the best part of this, is to walk through a room of several people and to give the information you get a collective message as you watch the audience, watch the person I'm working with, and then I come to another member, and always the information is different. It's never the same. And you see the audience look at you, and you feel the energy going up to a huge momentum. I, I can't describe it. There are no words to describe it. But um, I did a fundraiser a few weeks ago for a cancer 
Foundation, Relay for Life, a beautiful, beautiful group that tries to raise money for cancer research. And I had, you know, several people, and one of them wrote to me the next morning. She emailed me. She said, I need to tell you this. She said, the table I was at, very skeptical about an afterlife. And she said, you went through the room, and you were bing, 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 spot on. And she said, at the end of the night, the people at the table are like, oh, my God. What did she do? She couldn't have done that. She doesn't know any of us. I didn't do it. It was the word coming out to show them. So I have about six women that came in, kind of on the fence, not really sure. It opened up the doorway to let them know that, guess what? What she's doing is valid. She's showing you the eternity of the soul and that they want to communicate with us and they watch over us with light and love. How do you view synchronicity? I love synchronicity. Synchronicity is so incredible. Synchronicity means there's no coincidence. Everything has a reason and a meaning. It might not make sense to you, but it's the universe's way of giving you a God link. And recently I had to make a very big decision, and I I knew in my heart that I wanted to do it, but I asked my mother, as I always do, I said, send me something to, to just let me know that you're in on this. And I went out to the store, I got out of my car, and a car pulled in across from me, and the license plate was L716. I'm Linnea, and my mother's birthday is July 16th. There you go. It wasn't synchronicity. I mean, it was, but she was telling me, go with your gut, and I knew that it was from her. And synchronicity um, often gives you an internal message to let you know that someone's thinking about you, someone's trying to connect with you on the other side. It might not be an A-port per se, which is what I mentioned earlier, but it might be you hear a song. So there's all kinds of little God winks that let you know that the universe is trying to make a connection with you. There's a really great book out there called um, When God Winks, and it's all about synchronicity that nobody can explain. And I would advise your listening audience, which I hope to educate, entertain, and enlighten, get the book When God Winks, and you'll start to see some of the coincidences that were so meaningful. People had to put them in a book to share them with the world. Is that your motto, educate, entertain people in the spiritual world? Yeah, I'm going to say that on my big, big groups, it's entertainment per se, of course it is. But I want to educate them, and I want to enlighten them. And what I do is I often use humor. I will come into a big group, and I will make them laugh. I will. And I will, you know, go to people that I don't think expect me to come to them, And they've already opened up the doorway for me by laughing about something I might have said. And I recently had a gentleman that was in a dinner theater, and I said to him, I said, you know, I don't think you even knew I was here tonight. He said, you got that right. His wife brought him to dinner, but she didn't tell him I was going to be there. So he laughed, and I laughed. And I said, well, I'm happy to meet you, sir. And I said, "Um, where is your father? He said, actually, that would be the person I would want to make a connection with. He said I was very close to him. And the father told me to say July 9th. And the man stood up, he was very tall, and he grabbed me by the arms and he started to cry. He said that was the day that he died. My dad died on July 9th. I said, but he didn't die forever. His soul spirit is still with you. And the wife looked at me and she said, I told him. And I was very happy about that because this was someone that didn't know what this was, but now they did. I entertained them. I educated them about what the gift is, and then I enlightened them. And all through the night, every time I walked by his table, this guy would reach out for my arm, and he would say, you changed my life. 
She changed my life. I said, I'm so happy. I said, but it was your dad that changed your life, not me. So sometimes just a comment in a group like that will be life-altering. And the person knows that I couldn't know that and had to come from their loved one. When you do readings and work with people, how do you feel about the afterwards when they hear the message? I have to say that's a, a wonderful question. I have a certain feeling I need when I do any event. And when I can see the reaction, like that gentleman, when I can hear people exclaim, that was my street I grew up on, that's my mother's birthday, I am touched and it reverberates within my soul and I feel very, very satisfied that I used my gift to give the highest caliber spiritual message that I can give. And you know, there are some places that you have skeptics that goes with the territory, but the beauty of that is if there are skeptics in the room and they still see what I'm doing, they can't invalidate what I'm doing because the other audience members are recognizing it. And I get chased out into the parking lot. There are people that will chase me to say, you only did 30 people. Well, I can't help that. You know, there was three hours I did 30 people. So I often leave. I would say 98% of the time I leave an event very fulfilled because this is my mission. You know, I'm married to it. I do this 24-7. How do you protect yourself from the energy around you and while working? Yes, yes, it's another wonderful observation. You always ask for the white light. You always ask for guidance. You always ask your guardian angels, uh, the saints that I'm close to, and you say, you know what, protect me, bring me into the highest possible caliber to give the best possible message that I can give and I have to say there's a dark side out there we we know that and there is a light side and I'm a light worker as yourself so I try to promote the light worker um, effect that all things good and beautiful come to people I really kind of ignore anything and I have seen that in the audience I've picked up on that I choose not to recognize it I feel that I'm there to do what I'm supposed to do and if there is a dark side there you know that can just stay with the people that brought it I'm not going to get caught up into that and I think a more positive approach for myself seems to be the winning combination go with the good how do you prepare for an event I'll meditate I don't eat I'll fast because it's very hard to eat before you do this I feel I need to have a, a cleansing and I will fast before events. I walk the beach a lot. I love the ocean. I'm a Pisces. So the ocean seems to energize my own vibration. I try to have an easy day. If I'm going to do a big group at night, I really don't want to have anything change my focus. So I will you know, try to have a relaxing kind of day rather than go to the office. I'll do something else, like I'm doing a big bridal shower Saturday. So Saturday morning I'll be at the beach, I'll be thinking about, you know, the beautiful family that I'm going to see and who I'm going to bring back. So you kind of set the stage yourself by meditation and fasting, and that's two of the things that I utilize for my work. Who inspires you to do what you do? I'm going to say growing up, my grandmother was very instrumental in helping me to understand this. My father was too, my mother. And there are a lot of light workers out there that, you know, I watch their shows, I look at their websites, I'm very impressed with many of the things that they're involved in. So I'm going to say it's a little bit of them who taught me, my great-grandmother who gave me part of what she had. So I'm going to say I've kind of encapsulated it, and um, I 
I really feel that where I am right now is where I'm supposed to be, and it's very strong. And I've had the last year, I've had probably the most positive events that I've done, and I've been very proud of the fundraisers, and I've done some university work. I did a seminar at Bentley University recently. It was very well received. So again, I'm really focusing on what you were kind enough to notice, the educate, entertain, and enlighten part of this. If you could tell your younger self a piece of, of advice, what would it be? I think what that would be is to accept what is, learn to change what you can, and let go of what cannot be changed. The um, serenity prayer, accept what it is, what you are, let go of what you can't change, because you can't, and just move forward and take the positive aspects of yourself and focus on that. Not everybody can do everything. So you have to take what you can do and treasure it and nurture it and fine-tune it and then present it to the world. Where can we find you? That's so nice of you. My website is Linnea Star, L-I-N-N-E-A-S-T-A-R. If you get on my face, I'm sorry, my website, you'll see a lot of testimonials, a lot of appearances that I do. And I'm on Facebook. Linnea, L-I-N-N-E-A, and my last name is Johansson, J-O-H-A-N-S-S-O-N, and you'll see a big blue rose, and um, if you put Boston, my Facebook page should, should come right up, and a lot of people write in when things happen instantaneously, so Facebook is a wonderful social media to keep up with things I've said to people, and then it's come true for them. Out of all the things you've discovered, learned, experienced, and you met someone in the street and you could tell them only one thing, what would it be? I think it would be that we're not alone. You know, we come into this world and many things happen to us. And, you know, there's always someone that has lost a loved one or lost, you know, somebody that was very special, be it a family member, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. And I think what I want to tell them is no one is lost, really. We're going to find each other again. There's that connection. And I think I would want them to know that even though you're missing someone, loving them, and, and not handling it well sometimes, they want you to be happy. And as we are happier in our own lives, it reflects on our loved ones in glory. Recently, I had a gentleman that talked to me in a parking lot in a coffee shop near where I have my office. You know, I didn't know him, but he liked my car. I have a Kia Soul. He liked it. He said, I'm going to get one for my wife. And then he said to me, are you Linnea? And I said, yeah, how do you know? He said, I looked at your website. Some people saw you. He said, but you wouldn't like me. And I said, why wouldn't I like you? He said, I don't believe in anything. And, you know, I looked at him and I said, well, you know, there's probably a reason for that. And he said, my four-year-old son died 34 years ago. He said, and I stopped believing in God and in church. And I felt so bad. And all of a sudden, a little boy appeared. And he said, tell him it's Matthew. So I did. And he turned around and he came back to me. He said, that's my son's name. And he actually went down on his knees in the pavement crying. And I knelt down to be next to him and I said, I'm so sorry. He said, you couldn't know that. I said, but Matthew does. I said, and you liked my car, the soul. I said, and now Matthew's soul has come back to, to bear witness. He got on the phone. He calling his wife he couldn't believe it and later on his daughter emailed me she goes you met my dad in the parking lot and he he's a changed man he's at peace with the fact that our wonderful Matthew went to heaven so so young so a chance encounter with a stranger my gift came right out in its purest form 
and brought back his son. I didn't even do anything. The boy came to me. So if I could do that to everybody and to let them know that there's another doorway, this heaven's gate, and you're all going to meet, we're all going to find each other on the other side, that would be a wish that I have. And that's why I want to take my gift to a higher level. I'm not saying that I'm not happy in Massachusetts. Massachusetts has been very good to me. I have an incredible client base, and a lot of them come back because so many things come true. I've had clients up to 10, 12 years still come to me. I predicted their marriages, their children, their jobs. But I would like to take this to the universe and say, look, this is what it is, and guess what? The grave isn't the end. The soul is eternal. That's my message, and that's what I want to impart to the world. That's what I'm hoping to do. And with your beautiful podcast, my word will get out now over in your area of the world. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing what you got to share and continue on the mission of God. Thank you, too. And please friend me on Facebook. Let's keep in touch. And I really, really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sansit.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot Join Sansit Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.